Good morning, and I hope that you are in a good place to hear from the Lord this morning and that you are excited to be here. Um, I am uh, excited to be up here. I don't get many opportunities like this, but uh, when I do, I try to take advantage of them. I told somebody outside, I said, when the cat is away, the mice will play. No, I'm just kidding. kidding. Not really. So we're going to do all kinds of fun. No, we're we're just going to, I'm going to share with you some thoughts. Again, I kind of, I got this kind of late notice, but it's okay. God's still good. And uh, so we're going to, we're going to, so my, 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 um, gosh, I'm already struggling. My, my, my request to you, there we go, is that you would uh, pray for me that my tongue would straighten out and I would be able to actually communicate with you this morning uh, about what God has laid on my heart to share with you. Uh, I'm sure Jimmy had a great message he was going to bring, uh, but I really feel like this is uh, going to be personal to us, hopefully, and, and we'll uh, be able to use it. So, uh, but uh, let me just start with this. So, uh, Dwight L. Moody, the great American evangelist, uh, he was actually on a ship traveling across the Atlantic and enjoying the weather, enjoying the scenery. As you can imagine, if you've ever been on a cruise, then you know uh, what that's like. It's beautiful, right? Just wide open water. And, and so he and a friend were together. They were traveling. Uh, but there are words on a boat that you never want to hear. And as they were traveling, the word fire, fire came out. And you can imagine the panic that ensued in that very moment. Uh, So as the bucket line, yes, the bucket line began to form so they could take water from one uh, area over to where the fire was, uh, Moody and his uh, friend got in line. But then the friend offered this suggestion. Why don't we go up to the other end of the ship and just pray? And Moody, being who he is, the common sense evangelist said, "Uh, no, sir, Uh, we will stand right here, pass the buckets, and pray hard all the time that we are doing it. Uh, I love this story. And we're going to get into it and, and break it down a little bit. But we all know also, just as a sidebar, there are many other people on this boat. And, and they are not all participating, right? And, and so I came up with just a quick list. And, and we'll see how this goes. So you have the guy that's just focused on the fire, right? He's not praying. He's like right there in front. He's just throwing water. Throwing water, throwing buckets, right? He, he doesn't care if anybody, collateral damage, whatever. You know, you get hit in the head with a bucket. He don't care. He's that guy. He's just, he's in it, in the moment. Seeing the problem, trying to deal with it. And then you got the guy who's frozen just looking at the fire, not knowing what to do, not hearing anything, not paying attention, but just engrossed in the fact that there's a fire and it's probably not going to end well. And then you have the couple of guys that are probably leaning against the side of the boat on the rail. They're going, that's not how you put out a fire. You got to go over, not under. You got that guy, right? You got the guy who uh, gathered all his stuff together selfishly. He went running back to his compartment, got his stuff, and he's got his life vest on, and he's sitting in the lifeboat, just waiting for the worst to happen. I'm ready. I'm ready, right? Not helping, not contributing, not doing any of that, but just in the boat, waiting. 
And then, and then you have the guy that as soon as he heard the word fire, put on his vest, maybe, and jumped off the boat. <laughs> he's like, I'm done. I don't want this, right? And now he's floating away. And shortly after, the fire has been handled, but now we got to go save the man who's decided to jump off the boat, right? It's like, come on, you're killing us. So we're not talking about any of those people today because that's a whole sermon series into itself and we could have a lot of fun with that. But I really want to focus... Oh, I got to put my glasses on. Sorry. This is what happens when you turn 50. I'm just telling you. I just had a birthday not too long ago and I can't see. Um, and I want to say that with these people, this, it's almost a lot like a church, right? It's unfortunate, but that's kind of some of the mentality of, of people that are, are in here. But this morning, the only thing I want to do this morning is just take a little bit of time to remind you to focus on the main things. Much like Moody did for his friend, I want to call us to pray and act. Very simple. Because I believe prayer and action go together. There, there are a few times when God gives us the word to wait, and there are a few times when God says, absolutely not. But in this case, I believe that prayer and action go together at least 90% of the time. I just made that statistic up. Now, we know that the church has had some challenges and some difficult moments in the past, but God has always carried us through. Amen? And some say we are going through a challenging time at the moment. And I just want to remind you that what carried you through in the past is what will carry us through today. There's been a lot of talk late about attendance and finances. And, and what I want you to know is God controls all of that. God controls who comes and who goes. God controls the amount of financing that we have to do the ministry that we effectively want to do. He decides all that. But here's the truth. You have a part to play. You have a role that needs to be considered. Again, God controls the comings, the goings, the purse strings. But we have the opportunity to not only go before his throne and plead for more workers to join this massive ministry effort that has been set out before us to reach this community. We also need to plead for the loss of this community to come into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ but we also have an obligation to act. There is an action that is required on our part. And my question to you this morning is very, very simple. Because I'm a simple guy. When did you stop praying and when did you stop acting? Now I'm going to say most of you have not. I'm not trying to be judgmental at all. But I'm asking you to do some self-evaluation in this moment that we go through this and, and ask yourself, have I given up? Because God hasn't given up. So this morning, let me remind you of two appropriate actions, just two, two points and I'm done. It'll take about 45 minutes to an hour, but it's okay. Uh, 
Two appropriate actions we as believers in this church should be taking in order to be an overwhelming and powerful light with an effective ministry in this community to both believers and non-believers in our surrounding neighborhood. As we focus on our efforts, of course, the results are up to God, but our role, again, is crucial. So the first thing I want you to see, the first and the immediate and the most powerful and influential step that we can take is to pray is to pray. In the war room, if you're familiar with that movie, Miss Clara makes a statement that goes like this. People are always leaving Jesus out, and that's why we're in the mess we are. At the point that you forget that Jesus is involved, that God is involved in our church, in our ministry, in our area, in our community, that is when we get in trouble. And the church begins to suffer. So I just listed out some things about prayer. There are many things that we could talk about and we could be here for days. I'm not going to do that to you. What I want to do is just kind of give you some highlights. So how often do I need to pray? How often should I be praying? Jot this down. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says what? Pray without ceasing. It doesn't have to be formal, but it can be. Praying is simply an uninhibited conversation with God, plain and simple. You don't have to be in a particular place or setting. As a matter of fact, praying all the time can make you look crazy. Am I wrong? No. If you think back before the Bluetooth... Right before the thing you would put in your ear and you could talk or it comes through your phone. Right. If you're driving down the road, you pull up to a red light and somebody pulls up beside you and you're moving your mouth, but there's no music. People think you've lost your mind. But those are some of the most intimate moments that I have with God. When I'm just talking and I'm like, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessing. Oh, this is amazing. My drive was uninhibited. Nobody pulled out in front of me. This is awesome. Right. Or maybe I'm like, Lord, not today. Don't, don't let so-and-so come here today. Because, mm, you know, I'm going, if you're going to work and you're like having to deal with somebody that may be a little difficult, you'd be like, Lord, today is not the day. Please let them call in sick. Amen? There are days that we have that are like that. So we begin to carry on this conversation with Jesus. Not so much today, again, because we have the Bluetooth, so it's not as noticeable, but there have been plenty, plenty of times in my car, I'm talking to my radio, and people would think that I would be talking to my best friend, but in the end, I am talking to Jesus. Or maybe you remember it this way. Maybe maybe you're a person who tries to pray at night as part of our praying without ceasing. You're praying through the day, you get to the night, and, and then you have this moment where you fall asleep in the middle of the conversation. It happens. Happens to the best of us. It reminds me of, remember those friends that used to have that you would talk on the phone till real, real late at night and you would accidentally fall asleep on the phone? Now, back in the landline days, children, uh, these were phones that were connected to the wall and you would, you know, you would hold them. And when you fell asleep or and the other person hung up, what would you hear? There you go. And you'd wake up and you'd hang up, right? Well, it doesn't happen with cell phones, not with cell phones. So you you fall asleep on your cell phone, the other person hangs up, you wake up with an imprint of the phone on your face, plain and simple. 
But here's the best part. It may take you a minute to catch back up with that conversation or that person or do whatever in the midst of your busy day. But if you fell asleep in your conversation with God, when you wake up, guess who's there? God, he is in your face, right? And he's ready to continue that conversation that you started last night and fell asleep on. And he's okay with that. He's not offended. He knows that you had a busy day. He knows you had a rough day. He just, hey, we're talking. We're communicating. And when you wake up, he's there. He hadn't gone anywhere. He didn't hang up. So we have this opportunity to pray constantly. And we need to. Second thing I would say is we have an opportunity and we need to pray in faith. There's a huge faith element to prayer. We're praying, asking the God of the universe, the most powerful being that we have ever known, to move on our behalf. And so there is a, an amount of faith that is required. Thankfully, the Bible says it only has to be the size of what? A mustard seed. And aren't we grateful that it only has to be the size of a mustard seed? Because sometimes my faith is not that strong. As we were going through some of the things that we went through, COVID and all of that, and coming out of that process, my faith was a little shaken, right? But I could take that to God and I could say, God, I know that you were working. So we pray with faith because he know, we know he hears us. And he will answer. Jot this verse down. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this, listen to this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, oh, this is good. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Asking according to his will, asking in faith, and we know that we will have the request that we have asked of him. That is the kind of faith that we can have in the God that we serve as we pray, and we should have. So then why should we pray consistently? Why must I do it every day, all day, as we talked about earlier? I have the ability to do that. I am really commanded to do that, to pray without ceasing. But why should I? It's very simple. We pray because there is a battle that is waging with a real enemy. Did you get that? This is why we pray. We are in a battle, church. We are in a battle against culture. We are in a battle against politics. We are in battle against what the next feel-good thing is. And unfortunately, it feels like in this moment, we are not winning. But we know the end of the story. Right? So we take great solace and comfort in that, and that should drive us to be consistently Praying, This battle wages above us, and, and there are earthly gains and losses depending on the outcome. Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is your battlefield. 
But 1 Peter 5.8 takes it a little further. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is looking for someone to eat up, to make ineffective, to make useless in God's work. And if you are not consistently praying on your knees for this battle, you could honestly be the next casualty. This word always intimidates me. The devil prowls. He is not satisfied with just one kill or two kills. He wants to take as many of us out as possible. And he will do it mercilessly, embarrassingly, shamefully. He will do it. And the only way, the only way that we can overcome and be victorious is if we fall on our knees and we pray. So the enemy is consistent and persistent, and so must we be. He does not give up, therefore we do not give up. One of our core values is that we value, you know what it is? Oh, I caught you, didn't I? Y'all should have memorized those things. No, I'm just kidding. So one of our core values is that we value powerful prayer. Powerful prayer. We used to have a type of person in the church that we refer to as a prayer warrior. Do you remember those type of people? Some of my older folks, those people that you that you were you would call them a prayer warrior. Let me tell you what it is. A prayer warrior was a person who chose to fight personal spiritual battles through prayer and the wisdom of the Lord instead of their own strength. They understood, right? They got it. These are the people who embodied Matthew 6, 6. They would go into their closet. They would shut the door. They would get down on their knees and they would cry out to the father on behalf of whatever prayer requests had been given to them to pray for. And they were completely focused and undisturbed because they absolutely knew what hung in the balance. These are the ones that if you asked them to pray for you, there was absolutely no doubt that they would, and they would continue to do so until you told them they could stop. You did not have to keep reminding them they were going to continually do it regardless These are the ones we used to say, when they pray, we know God is listening. We felt like they had a direct line, direct connection that maybe ours was not there, but you get what I'm saying. They had that kind of relationship. They were powerful people of prayer. In actuality, we should all be prayer warriors. There is too much on the line and too much at stake for us not to be prayer warriors. But we allow ourselves to get sidetracked or busy or lose perspective and then anxiety and uncertainty starts to to creep in. And scripture is very clear in Philippians 4, 6. It says, "When, when it states, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Phil Wickham has a song called Fight on My Knees. Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you're not. But towards the end of the song, it says this. 
and this is for all of us, when the prayers go up, heaven comes down. The mighty army of the Lord God Almighty comes down when our prayers go up. So don't give up. Don't give up now. When the prayers go up, now get this, the lost will be found. So don't give up now. So I want to end this section with this. So, so what keeps us from having a powerful prayer life? There's a list. <laughs> There's a list that keeps us from having a powerful prayer life. I'm just going to give you four quick things. Four quick things. Ignoring God's word. Proverbs 28, 9. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. God's word is true. God's word is holy. It was irrefutable. It's perfect. If I follow it, then I'm following God. If I choose to not listen to it and do something else, why would I think my prayers would be effective? If I love sin, if I have a desire for sin, if I have that secret sin that I keep holding on to that I refuse to let go of because I just enjoy it so much, even though it brings guilt and shame in the aftermath. But if if that's where I am, Psalm 66, 18, if I have cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened Wrong desires, James 4, 2 and 3. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Our motives are not right. And then finally, doubt. We were just talking about asking in faith, being faithful, but the opposite of that can have a tremendous negative impact on us. Doubt, James 1. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. If these elements, if these hindrances are present in your life, then let's deal with them today. Because we need more prayer warriors and, there's, and, and we need to confess that and get busy praying. There's, again, too much on the line to have an ineffective prayer life. So the second powerful step that we can take, obviously, is to now act. We have been called into action in James 1.22. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. I believe this is the biggest obstacle with churches. Please hear my heart. They have a prayerful plan, but the plan sometimes requires us, requires something of us that we might not be comfortable doing or giving something we're not ready to give, and our plan gets derailed. Of course we know, and I'm, I'm speaking honestly this morning, we know that those moments when we have those conditions, this is a matter of the heart of the people of the church. And we are not open to God. Action is not easy, even with the best plans, but it must be done. If you were to look at, let me, let me show you this. If you, if you want to turn there, Second Chronicles Second Chronicles 15, 8, and 11. It 
It says, as soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Odeb, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. And if you drop down to verse 11, they sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil that they had bought, brought 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep. And then they entered into a covenant, look at this, to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all of their heart and with all of their soul. This is the kind of action that is required of us. What did Asa hear? He heard the words of the prophet. He heard God's words through the prophet Odeb. And then what did he do? He took courage. The courage that it takes to act can only come from God, but we have to take a step of courage in order for that to happen. Do you get that? God's like, I am behind you. I've got you. I just need you to step. It's almost like a Peter moment. Peter, step out onto the water. Be courageous. But in our humanness, And I get it. We don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to make anybody upset. I'm sorry, the last time I looked at Jesus in his ministry, that was not necessarily a prerequisite of of what he was trying to guard against. He was protecting the truth of who he was and what he wanted his body to be, right? Am I wrong? No, okay. So courage and obedience are required to act, to do. The disciples did it as well. You can look at Matthew 10, 6 or, or, or Mark 6, 7. And you see that Jesus brought the disciples together. He had instructed them and encouraged them, gave them specific plans. And then what did he do? He sent them out. He sent them on their mission. He caused them to act. So we have the prophets and the disciples and, and all of these guys are, are going. And, and, but it is up to us. Those people aren't around anymore. It's up to us. Right? Right? Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Listen, just listen. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. He's given us what's in his word. He's given us Dr. Chansey. He's given us Dr. Smith. He's given us your small group leader. He's given us a lot of folks who will teach you and train you in God's word. Amen? Amen. And they're amazing. We have some of the best grow group leaders, some of the best leadership. I mean, I love these guys. They are true to the word. And their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's us. They equip us so that we can go out and do the work of the ministry. Did you realize that you are a minister of the gospel? You are on staff. Did you know that? 
You have been claimed by God Himself to go out on your mission. You have been ordained in this church to go fulfill what He has called you to do. We are the ministers. And so through our equipping, we build up the body of Christ. You are a believer, according to this passage. If you are a believer, you are a saint. Did you know that? No Catholic ceremony required. You are a saint. May not act that way all the time, but that's what we are. Second, you have been equipped. Right? The preaching and the teaching combined with your personal quiet time and devotion, you have what you need. So that lastly, we are without excuse to be doing the work. Quit looking for somebody else to do it when God has laid it right in your lap to be done. It's not somebody else's responsibility, it's your responsibility. If you don't like what's happening in this church, then you be the catalyst of change in this church. It's up to you. We are highly qualified. Did you get that? Highly qualified to talk to about Jesus and love others. We have this perfect example and it is captured in our story. We are called to plug into the local church and get busy. Not wait, but get busy. You are to fulfill the individual action plan that God has laid on your heart within the church and thus fulfill the greater plan that God has for his local body in the community. Let me ask you this question as we're coming to a close. How many ministries and potential impactful opportunities are going uninitiated that could be used to reach this community, see lives changed, eternal destinations changed, see people go from death to life spiritually, because even though we have the plan, there's a lack of action. Did you get that? It's quite a lot. How many people are we leaving untouched? Because we will not pursue the ministry that God has called us to. It's very simple. You have heard from God, now act. There's action involved in being a Christian and being a part of the body of believers. We must do what he has called us to do. We must enact what we have received through prayerful consideration. I will give you this word of caution. If we begin to act apart from a deep and consistent time of prayer on what we are about to do, it will not work. You cannot have action You cannot have action within a God-inspired plan without the prayer part being intact. Once you have a plan, execute it properly. A poorly, listen, a poorly executed action on a prayerfully considered plan from God can be devastating. Worst yet, we may see serious repercussions on this body and the lack of impact on the surrounding community. I don't want to be accused of that. And I don't want our church to be accused of that. But here's what happens. A lack of action on a prayerfully considered plan manifests through this body 
this body in many different ways. It could come in fatigue and weariness. I'm tired, Mike. I don't want to do this anymore, right? I've heard that. Frustration, aggravation, anger, uncertainty, doubt, lack of faith, misplaced faith. Which then leads to what, church? Gossip, backbiting, bad-mouthing, critiquing, criticism, and overall dissension when the body begins to break apart. This is the last thing our church, or any church for that matter, needs. I remember that when I worked at Chick-fil-A, I did work at Chick-fil-A a long time ago, long time ago, um, I had a supervisor <laughs> that would say, and maybe you're familiar, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. There, there's all my restaurant people. That's awesome. If you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Or as the Living Bible would say in Proverbs 16, 27, idle hands are the devil's workshop and idle lips are his mouthpiece. If we are busy, busy acting on the plan that God has set before us, then we do not have time to stand around and be negative and critical and criticizing. So there's work to be done. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. We are his creation. He has brought us together for such a time as this. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's a work to be done. So what could the potential impact of acting in confidence on a God-endorsed plan that has been bathed in prayer have on this body of believers and the surrounding community? Unimaginable. (laughs) Right? Unfathomable. I can't think of enough words. But it could be completely amazing. God can do anything and everything He wants. But He chooses us, in most cases, to fulfill that. I'm going to share a story with you. I'll be done. In the short time that we were able to provide meals for Lovejoy High School uh, to their football team, I still to this day still to this day, we'll come across some of those previous players who remembered that our church, our church came and fed them physically and spiritually. One in particular was just last month. It was amazing. Such a random act of God, and I loved it. It was so encouraging in the moment. I had ordered pizza from Papa John's for a youth event, and this young adult showed up. Taller than me, bigger than me, of course, all that. Um, And after we finished our transaction, he looked at me and he said, I remember you. And I was like, I don't know who you are. (laughs) That's so bad, right? Such an awkward moment. But then this is what he said. You used to come to my school, feed our team, and talk to us about Jesus. Now, Maybe none of those people ever joined this church, but we don't know what lives were changed for eternity because of the work that you allowed, you allowed to happen and God used you to make happen. But the impact was there. I will be forever grateful for the opportunities I had at Lovejoy and every other school that we have had, that you've allowed us to have, that God has allowed us to go into. And I hope, I hope and I pray that more of those times will come. But you and I both know there's more prayer and more work to be done. We have a God-assigned mission we have been called to. So this morning I ask you, what is your God-called, assigned mission? What are you supposed to be doing in this body of believers 
that you're not doing? What ministry is going undone because you have the plan and you have the conviction and God has laid it on your heart, but you are not willing, not willing at this moment to act. I can tell you collectively our mission for a church is this. Loving others into a life-changing relationship with God. Don't ignore that. That is our mission. That is what we do. That is why we are here. This morning, I've only asked you to do two things. Pray and act. Simple, right? Pray and act, but that can only happen if you are a believer. If you have trusted in Jesus and believe his whole story, especially that he died on a cross for your sins and rose again on the third day, victorious over death, the grave, and sin for you. Those are the kind of people who believe that, who now have the right, if you will, to pray and to act. But if you have not done that, then this is where it starts for you. If you need to make a decision to follow Christ, if you need to make a decision for him to be Lord and Savior of your life, if you need that to happen before you leave today, come talk to me. Come talk to Mark. We're going to be around. And we, we have nothing better to do than talk to you about Jesus. I promise. <laughs> We've got nowhere to go except to talk to you about Jesus and having that relationship with him. And, but for the rest of us, I'm going to ask Craig to come on. Do you mind coming on up? I just want, I want, again, you know how I am about prayer. I've gotten really on this thing about praying. I want, I want you to take just a few minutes, right? Craig's going to play. And I want you to, again, bow your head, close your eyes. And I just want you to ask God. Is there something that I need to be doing in this body of believers? Is there something, Lord, that I know that you have laid out for me to do, but I have hesitated? And I, I have not followed through yet. Lord, I, wanna, I want you to confess that. And ask God to help you not just be a person of prayer, but to be a person of action. This body of believers needs you. Whatever God has laid on your heart, this body needs it. This community needs it. Thank you for doing that. Again, if there's something that you need to talk to us about, please do so. Dr. Chancey will be back middle of the week, something. Um, if not earlier, you can talk to him as well. Church, I love you. I absolutely love you. I love who we are. 
And I love that God has brought us together. But we cannot be content with that. There's work to be done.